Hello there, this is Benny. And this is Kyle. And you're listening to The Doctor's Watcher. The Greek mythology, or is it history, podcast about every episode of Doctor Who. I see what you did there last time you said history, or is it mythology, and this time it was mythology, <laughs> or is it history? And we can't decide. It's one. Maybe it's the other. Maybe it's both. Yeah. Honestly, it could maybe be it's neither. <laughs> I guess it's it's uh it's an AU. It's an alternate universe. It's alternate history. Indeed. Well, I'm glad that you caught that because for our listeners it was two weeks ago that they heard that the first intro. So Yes. We're recording two episodes today, and uh, this was um, this, this is the second one, so it was still fresh in my mind. <laughs> and perhaps even the Cliff Dangler will be fresh in my mind. We'll see when we get there. But it's not time for a Cliff Dangler yet. I have a strange feeling that something may have happened in between the previous, now and the previous episode, <laughs> but I can't figure out what it might be. Yeah, I don't know. I just I've just been thinking about like. Remember when Nelson Mandela died, but then it seemed like we remembered seeing his funeral and like his widow speaking at his funeral and then the the Berenstein bears or the Berenstain bears. Right. Curious George had a tail, I thought. And I what was know. that movie that Sinbad did or did not make about a genie? Yeah. 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 Who knows? Well, if you know what we're talking about, listeners, uh, tweet at us. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> So, we hope you enjoyed it. We hope it was fun. It was fun for us. <laughs> um, cool. Lately, what what have we been up to? Uh, so my partner and I have been watching this show as a cooking competition reality show um where the contestants make brunch. I think it's called like the big brunch or something like that. Oh, that sounds the, fun. The, the big brunch off. No. Uh but that's been fun. We're, we're, we're reaching the end of the first season, and it's one of these things where it's like, now I've gotten to know these characters and we're invested in stuff, and or these people. Sorry, real people. But, you know, they're kind of characters, too. They're kind of characters. Yeah, these things are very highly produced and stuff. So Yeah. That's been interesting. It's uh, it's kind of a, a similar, similar vibe to Great British Bake Off, but also a little different. Um, yeah. So that's do they been, do, that's like, a different... Like brunch-based challenges, or yeah, there's different themes every. I think week. I, I don't huh. know every every time, every episode. <laughs> um, like one was fine dining brunch. Um, nice. There's like, uh, what, what, what are the themes? Um, um, anyway, that's been fun. Nice. Yeah, my partner and I have just finished watching a show that is probably a very different tone than the brunch cooking show. Uh, we just finished under the banner of heaven. Oh, which is, I think it was on Hulu that we watched it and is inspired by the book of the same name. It is rather, well, I don't know to what extent, but it is at least somewhat fictionalized it has, you know, a disclaimer at the end of each episode that says like, oh, some of these characters are fictionalized and like some of the events depicted were fictionalized. I think the fiction stuff is mostly around like the personal lives of the detectives who are investigating this case. Mm. Um, for people who don't know, Under the Banner of Heaven was a book 
written in the early 2000s by an investigative journalist about a double murder that happened in Utah in like 1984, I want to say. Oh, and yeah, I remember hearing about this, like somehow the, the Mormons were involved or something. Yeah, it has strong ties to, to Mormonism and fundamental Mormonism. Mm. I read the book like years and years ago. I don't really remember much about it, but but the show is very interesting and makes me want to reread the book because my understanding is that the book is quite a bit more accurate than the show <laughs> isn't there a sherlock holmes story like that too or the the mormons are there you know the there's some sort of yeah one of the sherlock holmes's stories had to do with mormons i feel like it might have been the first one even like the first I, sherlock yeah i can't ever. remember which one it was uh it was definitely an early one yeah anyway um cool well Sounds like a fun show. Maybe maybe I'll I'll check it out at some point. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> I feel like I feel like we go through shows at such a slow rate over here compared to like how many shows are out there now. Yeah, um, same with us. I feel like we're just trying to keep keep up with uh, the, the the main ones that we try to yeah. follow. Yeah, for the most part, we tend to watch like one episode of anything per per evening. Yeah, which you think would would be enough to keep you up on things when when we some shows come out one one per week, but nope, no, there's mm-hmm. just so much. There's so many shows and so much to binge and so much to get caught up on and check out and uh, well, it's an interesting <laughs> interesting problem to have. <laughs> yeah. But speaking of getting caught up on things, we've been uh, you know once every two weeks we've been getting caught up on Doctor Who. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think at this point in the life cycle of the podcast, we're still falling farther behind. But at some point, <laughs> listeners, we will start getting caught up because eventually we'll start producing more podcast episodes per year than Doctor Who was at the time. Yes, uh, that's it's a, such an interesting kind of uh, timing that we have worked out here. But uh-huh. sure, yeah, an interesting pace, I should say. Um, but that's our show. So this is season three, episode eight, Death of a Spy. Uh-huh. And uh, Kyle, that makes me wonder, when it comes to season three, episode eight, Death of a Spy, how did you watch it? I watched it via a loose cannon reconstruction. Hey, just like last Answer time. Answer <laughs> you may have expected to hear. <laughs> I, I did want to mention that these reconstructions aren't entirely just like telesnaps and action subtitles in fact in in some cases there are very few or even no telesnaps in existence for an episode or a serial dang not even telesnaps (laughs) yeah the loose cannon production team did whatever they could to get these reconstructions made the reconstructions you know often use telesnaps Sometimes there's other on-set photography that they that they use, but they also actually do CGI sometimes to recreate scenes. 
they will sometimes use image compositing techniques and you know like take images of the doctor from a different episode where you know he's using the facial expression that they want to show that sort mm-hmm. of thing mm-hmm. and occasionally they even actually reshoot a little thing themselves Huh. You know, I guess like University of Central Lancashire style, but you know, just for like, you know, a little five second sequence or whatever. Just of like, I don't know, a chair falling over or, you know, stuff that doesn't need. Yeah, like that, like that, that sort of thing. <laughs> how, how jarring is that when you're just watching all these still images and all of a sudden you get like five seconds of, of <laughs> live motion? Uh, it's kind of fun, actually. You're like, oh, whoa, something happened. <laughs> oh, Lord. Uh, that's fun. So yeah, the the loose cannon recons can be pretty interesting productions sometimes. Cool, cool. Do you recall our Cliff Dangler? Well, I better since we just recorded this thing, you know, like a couple minutes ago. <laughs> um, so Stephen is dressed like a Greek soldier. We're of course in uh, Greek mytho- mythological slash historical times. Um, Stephen is in Troy. His whole thing was to get caught on purpose by Paris, which those of you who are fans of the campaign podcast may uh, be familiar with this strategy. Um, <laughs> and then we've got uh, um, we've got Vicky, a.k.a. Cressida, who has been renamed by King Priam of Troy and who's checking out his son, uh, Troilus. And um, the, the two of them, so Vicky and Stephen, just saw each other and called out to each other using their actual names and Cassandra, who tends to be, you know, at being Cassandra, tends to predict death and catastrophe, so no one listens to her. She says, oh, look, they definitely know each other, so they're definitely both Greeks and they're definitely spies. What more info could you need? Let's kill them both. Um, and so they're in danger or is someone just going to laugh it off as usual and be like, oh, Cassandra, <laughs> always wanting to kill people. And then we move on from our cliff dangler in all the five seconds. Let's find out. Well, the the guards did draw their swords and start to advance on <laughs> Vicky and Stephen. Yeah, I, I feel a butt coming. <laughs> but, but the cliff dangler is resolved in about five <laughs> seconds when Paris tells the guards not to kill the prisoners. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> this, of course, pisses Cassandra off. So she and Paris start arguing. And as they argue, she asks King Priam if he's hearing what Paris is saying to her. Yes, it's quite refreshing. It seems there's a man lurking behind that placid facade after all. Ouch. Flaccid? Flaccid facade? facade. Ouch. Man, like... Uh. <laughs> and uh, to, ha- to have your dad be the one to... Uh, I don't even... Oh, boy. Like, that's... that's <laughs> uh-huh. Dad, uh, no. Come on, Dad. Please. <laughs> Dad, I, don't I don't even want to think about you knowing hear you that say word. That word. <laughs> yes. Paris starts talking about what a catch his prisoner Diomede is. As good a catch as Achilles, says Prime <laughs> in the background. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> and Stephen starts praising Paris and talking about how like no Greek soldier could possibly stand up to him in his wrath. Cassandra and Priam are both like 
rolling their eyes and looking at each other. Yes. But, of course, Paris is pretty into it. There you are. You see, I'm treated with more respect by the enemy than I am by my own family. Uh. They don't know you as well as we do. <laughs> Man, this whole family, uh, they're just uh, they're, they're giving Paris a hard time. <laughs> I'm surprised no one's like, hey, but ever since like Hector died, now you're at least one one step up in the Trojan army. Uh-huh. So she and Paris start arguing again some more, and King Priam does step in this time. He's, you know, sick of hearing the arguments. He basically tells Stephen and Vicky that he's gonna throw them into the dungeons, but they shouldn't worry because the dungeons are actually pretty nice. <laughs> yeah, you know, check our Yelp reviews. <laughs> uh-huh. I've been here 15 years ever since stealing that loaf of bread, and you know what? <laughs> this cot is kind of comfortable. The bread is almost never stale. It's better than the one I stole. <laughs> I would have known. I would have checked in here years ago. Stephen slash Diomede might be here in the dungeons for a while, you know, as a Greek prisoner. Diomed even. Uh-huh. Diomedy. Is Dia Stephen Steve <laughs> Stephen Diomedy. <laughs> but King Priam decides that he's basically going to give Vicky one day, which is to say until tomorrow evening to use her supposed knowledge of the future to come up with an idea that will lead the Trojans to victory over the Greeks. She's like, well, I got some good news and some bad news for you when it comes to Trojan victory over the Greeks. <laughs> uh-huh. um, the good news is you don't need one of my great ideas. And <laughs> the bad news <laughs> is it's because you're going to lose. With this, we cut over to the Greek camp where, of course, as you remember, the doctor has been tasked with using his supposed knowledge of the future to come up with an idea that will lead the Greeks to victory over the Trojans. Yeah, and he, he's thrown out the idea of the horse, and uh, which he's decided was probably made up by Homer, and so he's going to come up with something completely different, which I honestly think is just because he wants to be clever. Yeah. We've already rejected tunneling under the walls because Odysseus thought that was boring. <laughs> So wait, wait, he's... Whoa, wait a second. <laughs> uh, Kyle, very punny, very punny. It honestly took me that long to get it. <laughs> so the doctor's been thinking, and he has an idea that he would like to propose to Odysseus. He first asks for a piece of parchment, which he folds into a paper airplane and asks Odysseus what it looks like. Looks like a parchment dart to me. My boy makes these to annoy his tutors. Interesting. I, I like that before they had paper airplanes. Sorry, before they had airplanes, they had paper airplanes. Uh-huh. They just called them parchment darts. <laughs> yeah, totally. The doctor's plan, basically, is to build a bunch of larger versions of paper airplanes large enough to, like, strap a soldier to, and then strap a soldier to each one and use a catapult to launch them over the wall. 
<laughs> earlier when I was talking about using catapults to, to launch people <laughs> over the walls. <laughs> Didn't think that would actually come up. Uh-huh. Odysseus does seem potentially interested in this idea, but he says that he's not going to ride one himself. He thinks that the doctor should be the first man to test these flying machines. That <laughs> seems fair. Uh-huh. And as the loose cannon reconstructors give us an image of the doctor looking at the camera with a shocked expression on his face, which may or may not be from this episode, mm -hmm. we cut to Vicky and Steven in the dungeon. <laughs> Honestly, if they told him that he's not allowed to test it, then he'd probably be like, nonsense, my boy. I'm <laughs> climbing in one right now. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, Odysseus could have had a much easier time getting the doctor onto one. <laughs> Vicky and Steven are basically arguing about whose fault it is that they're both in prison now. <laughs> Vicky says that she doesn't even know why Steven dressed up as a Greek soldier and came here in the first place. And he says it was to rescue her. And she's like, you succeeded beautifully. Thanks, Diomedes. Oh. She basically tells him that he didn't need to come. She can take care of herself. And he says that if she's so clever, she should think of a way to get them out of here and fast. Well, I mean, I kind of I kind of like her. I kind of like her saying that she doesn't need to be rescued. Um I don't know. I feel like I feel like there's this like very specific amount of like, I don't know whether to call it feminism or like spunkiness that, that characters get where they're like, I don't need to be rescued. You know, female characters, mm -hmm. I, I don't need to be rescued by a man. And the man's like, or you're, oh, you're doing such a terrible job rescuing me. But you, you, you have to, you have to throw that in there to get around the fact that your plot always seems to come back to <laughs> the, the, the female characters getting kidnapped or imprisoned and then the men coming and rescuing them mm -hmm. Stephen explains to her that the doctor is trying to come up with a way to take the city you know he tells her like the mission that the Greeks have tasked the doctor with uh -huh. and you know knowing the doctor he'll probably succeed and you know this plan is going to be whatever plan he comes up with is going to be carried out like real soon in the next day or two. So they need to figure out how to get out of here. But this discussion gets interrupted by someone throwing pebbles through the cell window, you know, through the bars in the window, basically. <laughs> it's like, you know, you, you, you bounce the pebble off someone's uh, window like uh -huh. the, the glass of their window, but the window's open, so now you're just throwing rocks into the room. <laughs> <laughs> Steven goes to check. Steven and Vicky are in separate cells, and this is happening to Steven's room. So he goes to check, and it turns out it's Odysseus's spy, Cyclops. Oh, interesting. I thought it was going to be uh, Troilus being like, hey, cutie. <laughs> Steven's <laughs> like, I think you got the wrong room. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> But then maybe not. Now we have a new ship. <laughs> <laughs> Stephen starts to give Cyclops a message to take back to the Greeks. He basically asks Cyclops to tell them that he found Vicky 
and that they shouldn't attack Troy until the day after tomorrow. That should give them plenty of time to escape. Uh-huh. Of course, Cyclops, in addition to having lost an eye, has also lost his tongue. So, like, he's gesturing and seems like he understands what Stephen's asking of him, but, you know, things aren't entirely clear. Okay. As Cyclops leaves, somebody approaches Vicky and Stephen's cells, you know, from inside the prison, and this is Priam's son, Troilus. He's brought food. Nice. And and Vicky's like, yeah, you're a whole meal. <laughs> uh-huh. She does actually start flirting with him, and at first he won't flirt back because he's on duty and he says he's not allowed to talk to the prisoners. But it doesn't really take that long before his resolve breaks and he goes to sit next to Vicky as the love theme swells. Just kidding, there's not actually any music at this point. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know why. That, that, just, that just made me think of uh, those Berenstain Bears again. <laughs> <laughs> This podcast is amazing. 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 The emissaries from the seven planets will arrive as arranged, and we will tell them all about this podcast. Tell your, your friends. Tell your, your friends. Your friends. Write a review and leave it with a five-star rating. We, we obey. obey. We obey. Back in the Greek camp, the doctor is telling Odysseus that it turns out the flying machine's not going to work. Odysseus Did he say is, why? Are they just not able to build them? Or Well, Odysseus accuses the doctor of not wanting to fly on one himself. And <laughs> that, that, that does seem a little out of character for the doctor, uh -huh. though. <laughs> And yeah, so that's that's why Odysseus thinks the doctor's saying that. But the doctor claims that he made a mistake in his calculations, that he's not afraid to fly on them at all. He just fucked up the math somehow. Ah, uh, okay. Sure, blame the math. Uh-huh. Odysseus has an idea, though. Uh, if your machine won't work, doctor, I propose to fly you without it. Uh, what do you mean? Simply this that my catapult is ready, and it seems a great pity to waste it. Now, you have failed me, therefore you are expendable. I propose to fire you over the walls yeah. of course. Yes, excellent. <laughs> uh, <laughs> spoken like a true Dungeons & Dragons character. Uh-huh. <laughs> but the doctor suddenly has another idea. He's like, what? Horses, horses, <laughs> a, giant, a giant wooden one. <laughs> uh-huh. He asks Odysseus, Have you ever thought of a... A horse, hmm? And <laughs> goes on to describe the Trojan horse idea. Uh, which, of course. Yeah, Odysseus seems to really be into. <laughs> He's like, well, I was kind of hoping to come up with something on my own, but <laughs> seems like uh, now's the time <laughs> to bust this one out. <laughs> <laughs> we cut back to prison where Vicky and Troilus are continuing to flirt. It turns out that he is 
almost 17 years old, which is hardly older than Vicky. Okay, interesting. She tells him also that... convenient. <laughs> yeah, totally. She tells him that at his age, he shouldn't be fighting in a war and killing people at all. And he says... Well, between you and me, I, I don't honestly enjoy killing at all. But I love adventure. She's like, well, you can come with us. Uh -huh. this, uh, you can join the party. The, the two of them gaze deeply into each other's eyes. Or <laughs> I assume they do, at least. <laughs> uh, she, she's like, I, I, I got an adventure for you. Come here. <laughs> Odysseus has taken the doctor to Agamemnon's tent, where the doctor and Odysseus present blueprints for the horse and they tell Agamemnon and Menelaus all about the idea. One thing I want to note about this scene in particular is that the loose canon reconstruction of this scene and the earlier parchment dart paper airplane scene both apparently feature props that the loose cannon folks made for their production. Nice. Like we get to see the blueprints of the horse and like the parchment dart. And apparently those are like loose cannon props. Nice. Yeah. I appreciate that. I appreciate that loose cannon. I wonder if like, yeah, they started off with the, the telesnaps and it was, you know, fairly straightforward to assemble those and occasionally add a line of description. Um, Mm -hmm. if the, the telesnaps didn't convey something and then as they went they were like you know what we can, let's get let's get more ambitious with this yeah well actually i read on their you know the archived version of their former website that this serial was i believe the first or one of the first reconstructions they did originally but then they came back to it like years and years later and did a new version of their reconstructions. And I guess that's the one I watched because like they, you know, their reconstruction techniques had improved quite a bit by then. Nice. So in their original version, they had like some scenes that were just entirely like white text on a black screen <laughs> that like in the new version, wow. they've replaced those with like composited images and stuff like that. Yeah, it's a good thing we're doing this podcast when we are. We didn't uh, try to do this years ago because. Mm. <laughs> so what what happened to to Lose Cannon as a company? Like, did the company just fold, or was I'm, there some sort of a like a, a copyright situation? I'm or? not entirely sure. I need to do some more research into that. Mm, okay. Because yeah, they they weren't a company that like, you know was made to make money or anything. Mm -hmm. And, you know, as far as I know, like nothing about them was like really official. Um, in fact, I believe way back in the day before you could just go to uh, dailymotion.com slash David Agnew, <laughs> the way that you would see these was by like going on their website and like, requesting somebody to mail you a VHS tape of them. Wow. And yeah, like all the underground Doctor Who missing episode fans would like trade their tapes and stuff. Seems like such a shame to go through all the effort and all you get is like 
text on a background saying what's going on. <laughs> uh-huh. So Odysseus and the doctor talk Agamemnon and Menelaus through the Trojan horse idea. It takes him a minute to, you know, to get it understood, but Agamemnon and Menelaus do seem to grasp the idea and they think it's pretty good. Part of the idea I should mention is that Odysseus is going to make the doctor ride in the horse with Odysseus and the soldiers. Well, I mean, to be fair, Odysseus is going to be in there too, so it's not like when he yeah. was threatening to catapult him into Troy. <laughs> he, he wasn't going to be next to him for that one. Uh-huh. Back in the Trojan prison, Vicky has finished eating, so Troilus gets up to leave. She suggests that he should give Diomede some food too, but he thinks that Greeks deserve to be hungry, and besides, the guards are going to throw him some scraps later. <laughs> so he'll be fine. Uh-huh. Vicky thinks that's pretty fucking rude, and Troilus wonders if Diomede is her friend or something, and she says that, yes, he's a very good friend. What? No, no, Vicky, you're supposed to be flirting with this guy. Come on. <laughs> you're supposed to be like, well, now that you've been so kind and fed me... I have something for... Okay, never mind. Uh-huh. I, I can't even look you in the eye on webcam and finish the line. <laughs> Troilus says that he doesn't understand how she can possibly be friends with a Greek. And she's like... Oh, look, Troilus. When you come from the future, you make friends with a lot of people, and he's one of them. I... Uh, yeah, or she could just say, well, he's not actually Greek. <laughs> uh-huh. Troilus asks her if Diomede is in any way special, and she says that he's not. Okay, good. I was like, come on, baby. <laughs> Pick up on what's going on here. <laughs> uh-huh. And yeah, this causes Troilus to be very relieved, and okay. he continues flirting with her a little bit more <laughs> okay. as he leaves the prison. As soon as he's out of the prison, Stephen starts ripping into her for how obviously she and Troilus are into each other. Like, dude, come on, I'm doing my best here. <laughs> uh-huh. He says that she at least could have saved him some food, so she reaches through the bars on her cell door to hand him the food that she saved for him. Yeah, screw you, pal. Uh-huh. Let's hear an apology before I actually like hand this over to you. <laughs> <laughs> he tells her that, you know, he tried to get a message through to the doctor via Cyclops, but it's hard to tell if or how much Cyclops understood, and he didn't get the whole message out before Troilus showed up anyway. Vicky's like, what? Do you think he doesn't speak English or Greek? Or what are we talking right <laughs> uh-huh. now? And Stephen's like, no, stop, stop. We're not supposed to get into that. <laughs> Don't think about it. Vicky's like, let's hope he did understand. Yeah. And let's hope he got out of Troy safely. Otherwise, we're fucked. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Language, Stephen. <laughs> that, that. Never mind whether you're speaking Greek or, or English. I still gotta watch your language. There we go. There we go. I'm into something. <laughs> we cut to Cyclops, who is getting stopped 
by Paris and some guards on his way out of Troy. They ask him who he is, but of course, not having a tongue, he's unable to answer. So one of the guards just kills him. Oh, shit. <laughs> oh, confound you. Why did you have to do that? The poor little fellow probably never meant any harm. Well, now we shall never know who he was. And there's this sad little firework and a tiny little <laughs> pathetic blast of confetti as uh -huh. we have our death of a spy. <laughs> Not Vicky and Steven, though. Yeah, I read that the... I don't remember at this point if it was the producers or the writers or who, but, you know, they named this episode Death of a Spy... Like, given the cliff dangler from last time, like, hoping that the audience would then, you know, fear for Stephen and Vicky. I feared for Stephen and Vicky. <laughs> <laughs> we cut to the Doctor and Odysseus, who are out on the plains. They are looking at the giant horse that has been constructed. In, in, in the distance, you know, uh, d don't worry about the, um, the scale of it or the perspective <laughs> too much. <laughs> no, actually, they are up close with it. And oh, interesting. Yeah, what I learned was that the Loose Cannon team was actually able to borrow and film some new shots of the actual original Trojan horse model that was used in the original episode. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah. They must have been somewhat official then in, in some capacity, or at least tolerated, you know, yeah. working with, with some sort of cooperation or, or understanding with the BBC. That's awesome. Well, yeah, and as much as they are in a, a legal gray area, I think the BBC kind of tends to pretend they don't know about them. I mean, it's not like they're, they're missing out on the, the money people would otherwise spend on episodes that don't exist. Right, yeah, right. DVDs and whatnot, yeah. Yeah. The doctor is concerned that this horse is built pretty shoddily. The The horse model itself is, you know, probably like 20 feet high. And it's, if you can imagine, like a pretty low poly model of a horse. Maybe if there was like a, a 20 foot high horse in Minecraft <laughs> and and like each face of... You know, each each face is textured as like a bunch of two by fours, basically. They're like, come on, come on, Trojans. You, you want this, right? You like horses and the Trojans are like, you mean that giant dog? <laughs> Fox? Uh -huh. um, not really. So, yeah, the doctor's concerned that it's built pretty shoddily. He doesn't think it's going to like hold together that well or that long. But Odysseus says it doesn't matter as long as it gets them into Troy. Yeah, true. And he reminds us and the doctor that, of course, the doctor is going to be there too. Yes. Back in the dungeon, a guard shows up with Stephen's food scraps to throw at him. <laughs> and as soon as the guard opens Stephen's cell door, Stephen rushes the guard and starts grappling him. But he's very quickly stopped by like the three or four other guards who immediately show up and throw him back into the cell and lock the door. Oh, dang. I was, I was getting all excited for him being a person of action. Uh-huh. I knew it was a nice attempt. He just rolled poorly, I guess. Yeah. Or, you know, the, the DM is like, oh, man, I uh, 
Yeah, there's three other people. You're not uh-huh. supposed to escape yet. <laughs> it, was, it was a plot recapture. Yeah. We cut to the inside of the horse where the doctor, Odysseus, and a bunch of Ithacan soldiers are waiting. The doctor is pretty nervous, understandably, and this is rubbing off on Odysseus. What is it now, doctor? On my soul, you're making me as nervous as a Bacanti at her first orgy. Why don't you try and get some sleep? <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm sure that's how they talked back in ancient uh, Greek times. Uh-huh. <laughs> but, you know, they continue waiting and they're watching through a little spy hole in the side of the horse and they see some Trojans start to approach the horse. Back in the Trojan dungeon, Troilus shows up again, and he tells Vicky that the Greeks have all sailed away, and the war's over, so she's being released. Cool. Yep. And they left this this nice horse. (laughs) He says that King Priam thinks that Vicky brought them luck, just like he always said that she would. So... (laughs) Hmm. (laughs) Footage missing. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. So yeah, they're going to release Vicky, but, you know, be warned, Cassandra is even more super pissed off at Vicky now than she was before. But Troilus says that that really doesn't matter because Cassandra has been totally discredited now. <laughs> yeah, no, nothing bad is going to happen to Troy. Mm-hmm. He starts taking Vicky upstairs out of the dungeon to be thanked personally by King Priam, but she stops and wonders, like, what about Diomede if the war's uh-huh. over? So Troilus goes up to Stephen's cell and taunts him for a bit for being the last Greek abandoned by all of his countrymen who have sailed home. And then he takes Vicky and they leave Stephen alone in the dungeon. Yeah, what about Stephen? Oh, you're right. I was going to taunt him. All right, be right back. <laughs> uh-huh. So they head upstairs to King Priam. He starts asking her why she couldn't have just told them that the Greeks were about to leave. She could have, like, saved herself some time in the dungeon. But Cassandra interrupts to say that she didn't tell them because it's some kind of trick. Yes. Well done, Cassandra. I hope Mm -hmm. someone listens to you this time. (laughs) No, Priam does not want to hear it at all. Uh-huh. Oh, stuff and nonsense. Oh, go and feed the sacred serpents or something. If you can't be pleasant at a time like this, Cassandra, I don't want to see you. Ah, bummer. Paris has apparently been checking to make sure that the Greeks are really actually gone. He shows up at the palace and reports that, yes, they do indeed actually seem to really be gone. And what's more, Paris found the Great Horse of Asia on the plains. Oh, uh, that sounds pretty cool. We should bring it inside. Uh-huh. He he takes them all out to the balcony to look. You can actually, like, you know, see it out on the plains from Troy. So they all go to look. Priam thinks it definitely looks pretty fucking cool. It does seem like the Great Horse of Asia, but... Cassandra thinks it's an omen of disaster. 
they're like, well, if it's an omen of disaster, the only way to avert that disaster is by bringing it, it into the city <laughs> and uh, offering it wooden, uh-huh. wooden apples <laughs> to eat. Vicky, of course, recognizes it for what it is. And she's like, it is the Trojan horse. Under her breath. Mm-hmm. You know, Stephen had told her that, like, he talked about the Trojan horse with the doctor, but the doctor wasn't going to do it. Yeah. Troilus starts asking Vicky what she said, but Cassandra interrupts before Vicky can answer to start ranting some more about Vicky being a witch and bringing about the death of Troy and all the stuff. But Paris says that he won't hear one word said against the horse. It's a pretty cool horse. Uh Uh-huh. And Troilus basically says ditto for Cressida slash Vicky. Nice. So Cassandra gives them a final warning. Will you not? Then woe to the house of Priam. Woe to the Trojan. And Paris says... Take it a bit late to say woe to the horse. I've just given instructions to have it brought into the city. That's more a giddy up than a whoa. <laughs> uh huh. We cut to shots of men pulling on ropes. We hear wood creaking. We see live, actually motion picture shots of the Trojan horse's wheels rolling through dirt. Nice. And as the Trojan soldiers drag the great horse of Asia toward Troy, the words, next episode, Horse of Destruction, appear on screen. Amazing. I remember you were saying that there's an episode title coming up that I was going to love. By any chance, might that be it? This was it. That was Horse it. Horse of Destruction. <laughs> uh, I love it. You were correct. Yeah, I thought that was a pretty great title. I guess yeah. that's a, a spoiler for our, our future season three wrap-up episode eventually. Well, let's just go ahead and spoiler that by saying Horse of Destruction, A+. <laughs> I have a pretty good feeling that title is going to end up on our Hall of Fame nominee nomination lists. Absolutely. Well, you know that the story is moving right along. I think I think this you know continues to be kind of fun. I think there's nothing been or there hasn't been anything that's been especially standout in this serial, but it's been it's been entertaining enough. Yeah, I think I I like the idea of you know the Greeks getting the doctor to come up with an idea to overthrow Troy while simultaneously the Trojans are trying to get Vicky to come up with an idea to overthrow the Greeks. Yes. Well, I mean, they've both been doing this for 10 years and I think they're, they're open to, uh, they're opening it up to the room now. Yeah. There's suggestions. There's actually a lot of dialogue on both sides about how it's been such a long time and everyone's sick of this and wants it to be done with. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Oh, cool. All right. Well, I'm curious what happens next. Yeah, should be interesting to find out. Cool. Well, thank you to Circuit 23 for our 
theme music. Uh, you can find his music, including our theme, at soundcloud.com slash circuit23. You can email him at circuit.23 at gmail.com. And check out his album, Men's Vermis. There's a link in the show notes. I'm not going to read the whole thing this time. Uh, thank you, Kyle, for watching Doctor Who and telling me all about it. And thank you, Benny, for listening to me tell you all about Doctor Who. And thank you, listeners, for listening to me listening to Kyle talk about Doctor Who. We'd love to hear from you. Go ahead and email us at thedoctorswatcher at gmail.com or tweet us at drwatcher. And if you love our show, don't forget to share, rate, and review if you haven't already. Um, and even if you have, please tell your friends again. Um, Indeed. Uh, we, we love getting listeners. We, uh, we, we love those, um, those, that word of mouth, uh, the, the good, good scuttlebutt. Know. You know, uh, if your friend just happens to set their phone down and it's unlocked and like you can navigate to their podcast app, it's usually pretty quick to search for Doctor's Watcher and hit subscribe. Yes, your friend will be like, oh, I don't remember subscribing to this. I should listen to it. My goodness, I've fallen behind. I forgot when <laughs> I subscribed to it. And then I'll be like, ooh, what a good podcast. I like these guys. They are wacky and they make ships by combining people's names. <laughs> what a fun concept. I should, I should tell my friends. No one is ever thought of doing that before <laughs> i'll get to this episode and be like wait a second i remember when i left my phone unattended <laughs> right around the time i noticed I, I subscribed and then they will shout your your name listener as they shake their fists to the sky yes and if your name happens to be dennis then <laughs> that works out even better all right cool well speaking of shaking fists to sky uh I think the uh, the Trojans may have something coming, so we'll tune in in two weeks, and well, we'll we'll be back in three weeks to record. But you'll be back in two weeks. Don't worry about our recording schedule; it's it, it's not important. You'll be back <laughs> in two weeks, listeners, to hear what happens next, and we'll see you then. Bye, bye. That's a war horse and a half for you. That's something like a secret weapon. Better than half a dozen of your cracked brain flying machines. Yes, I only wish I shared your confidence. <laughs> oh, what's the matter with you? Have you no faith in your own invention? No, no, Odysseus, it isn't that. But I just didn't like to look at those fetlocks, they <laughs> No safety margin at all. Well, they haven't got to last forever. After all, we're not building one of the wonders of the world, are we? As long as that horse gets us into Troy, it can collapse into a mess, and that's for all I care.